Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Lovely to have Wendy back with us in studio today, starting off with a quite serious health-related issue and then moving on to perhaps less life-threatening matters, including crocs that shrunk in the sun, uh, missing products from the grocery shelves and a couple of other bits and pieces. Remember, if you want to ask a question, share a comment on what you're listening to, share your own experience relating to what we're talking about, you can call us on 021-446-0567, send an SMS to 31567 or a WhatsApp to 072. Five six seven one five six seven. Welcome back, Wendy. Thank you, Pepper. Good to be here. It was many years ago now that I remember first hearing reports about this new wonderful cancer drug called Herceptin. And I do recall clearly there were several patients who had to fight long and hard to get access to it, Wendy. First to get it approved for use in South Africa. Then the fight began to have it covered by the medical aids. We've come a long, long way since then. It's far more widely in use now as a treatment for a particular um, very aggressive form of breast cancer. It's not for all of them by, by any means. It's not quite universally accessible, though, as our case today examines. No, exactly. So, yes, and I remember as a consumer journalist way yeah. back, you know, uh, when it was first introduced, fighting, trying to fight unsuccessfully, I have to say, on yeah. behalf of several women who um, whose medical aids uh, just, we won't pay and that was in, yeah. the, in, in the private healthcare sector. Yeah. So, yeah. But yes, as you say, things have come a very long way. Um, although Herceptin has been included in the Department of Health's essential medicines list, um, the EMA since 2017 and has been available at an affordable, relatively affordable price in the public sector since 2019. The Western Cape Provincial Government is still not providing this life-saving medicine to women who qualify it, who qualify for it rather. And and how I stumbled upon this was that um, last week the Competition Commission alleged that pharmaceutical giant Roche had overpriced its breast cancer drug Trastuzumab. I'm so bad with pronouncing medicines. Is that right? Trastuzumab. Your guess is as good as mine, Wendy, but we call it Herceptin in the market. Is it the it's, same it's, thing? Yes, okay. the brand name is Herceptin in the private health sector and in okay. the public health center it's known as Herclon. Okay. Um, um, Trastuzumab, whatever. Forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, um, so, yeah, um, that they, um, the Competition Commission alleges that this overpricing took place between um, tw- November 2015 and July 2020 in the public healthcare sector and between wow. January 2011, longer time, and November 2020 in uh, private healthcare. Um, So the commission announced that it had filed a referral to the competition tribunal for prosecution of the Swiss-based pharmaceutical company because it estimates that more than 10,000 breast cancer patients, that's the aggressive form, HR2 positive plus, plus, I don't know how you say this, but it's that, let's just refer to it as this particularly aggressive form of breast cancer. Um, They say, and this this 10,000 was uh, nearly half of the total number of newly infected patients in the private and public healthcare sectors, according to the Competition Commission, who've had to do their own sums because apparently they weren't provided with the figures. Um, And they say that's because they weren't specifically um, able to receive treatment from uh, with trastuzumab between 2011 and 2019 because of the excessive prices um, that Roche was charging for the medicine. 
Okay, so 10,000 people didn't get the drug that could potentially have been a game changer in their treatment and because that was, of excessive pricing. Yes. That's the allegation. And and that that number represents about half of those wow. who were okay. affected. So, you, we, you know, it's quite a strong it's a substantial allegation. Class. Yeah, put it that yes. way. Yes. So when I got that press release, I started looking around for comment and I got in touch with Salome Mayer of the Cancer Alliance and she also represents Access to Medicine, um, the, the Access to Medicine campaign. And I asked for comment on the development and this is what she said. She said, our first win for equitable access was the inclusion of trastuzumab on the essential medicines list in 2017 and the subsequent fi- a ruling of the Council of Medicine scheme medical schemes rather, three years later to rule that the treatment with trastuzumab um, for this aggressive form of breast cancer is a prescribed minimum benefit. The availability of biosimilars since 2019 was a further win and allowed for more affordable products to be available for these women with this particularly aggressive form of cancer. And he has the but. Despite this medicine being available in the the EML at the affordable price of 4000 599 rand per treatment in the public sector. The Western Cape government is still not providing this medicine to women who qualify according to the treatment criteria for this life-saving treatment. We are currently advocating that this province urgently close the care gap. Our letters to the Premier and MEC Mbombo on World Cancer Day have been unanswered. And yeah, it was quite an impassioned letter. I've seen a copy of it, and in it she says, we've repeatedly raised this issue with the health department without success, and we are now asking you to act with the same political leadership that you have shown in respect of other health issues. Close the clear gap for women in the Western Cape that deserve a chance to access this life-saving treatment. Wendy, is it only the Western Cape that is not using it would it appear so. It would appear so. I was trying to get confirmation from Salome before coming on air, and um, she, she hasn't responded. So I stay to correction there, but she most definitely did single out the Western Cape. Okay. Um, uh, so it would be, um, it sort of implies that it was, but I'm keeping a watch on my email so that we can correct that if it isn't the case. Okay. Um, so, so they've been appealing for, for the provincial government to change yes, its stance and very start recently. using that drug. In the meantime, though, they must, I'm sure, be, be um, uh, happy, to say the least, that the Competition Commission is looking into the pricing issue. Absolutely. She said, um, the announcement is a significant win indeed, not only for the Tobago Daki Trastuzumab access campaign. That she was a woman who um, died before she campaigned for oh, it. No. She, she had this form of breast cancer and she sadly passed away. So, without um, access to it. Without yeah. access to it, yes. Um, and she says it sends the message that price gouging is unacceptable. What is, however, clear is that there's a complete disconnect between the various departments that are involved in access to medicines, and it's time that we ensure synergy between the various departments to ensure equitable access to life-saving treatments. Medicines cannot be equated to ordinary commodities such as photocopying paper. <laughs> we need other rules that regulate people's Lives. Has there been any response from the provincial health department yet, Wendy? There has. Marika Champion, who's the Western Cape Government's Director of Communications, said the public health sector wishes to improve health un- outcomes for all our patients and it must weigh many different priorities, costs, clinical benefits and potential quality of life benefit for all our patients based on the best available evidence. We continue to offer the standard package of care which consists of medical management protocols, surgical management as well as radiotherapy 
which form important aspects of the treatment regime for women with breast cancer. Weighing the available ed- evidence, treatment with trastuzumab amounts to a 6.4% absolute reduction in death as a result of early um, HERT-positive breast cancer and is currently not part of the standard regime in the Western Cape. Well, we knew that. She said there was a longer clinical um, explanation. If I wanted it, I went back and said, yes, please, and I haven't had that either. So that's where the story sits now. I would. I was hoping um, to hear from Salome with regard to this claim that it amounts to a 6.4% absolute reduction in deaths because it's certainly in my albeit not too extensive um, investigation into this after the competition and mm. commission's announcement of last week. Um, I spent a couple of hours reading up on this drug and it certainly did not seem to be debatable any longer that it has a dramatic, dramatic effect. Yeah. I mean, you know, from WHO down to, you know, we've seen it locally, um, essential medicines list, um, the um um, Council for Medical Schemes funding. So, yeah, I think um, that this is a campaign that's now going to step up, certainly here in the Western Cape, in light of what's happening um, on the competition uh, commission side and, and um, it'll end up in the tribunal. So definitely one to follow and one that we're going to come back to. Thank you. Well, thank you for flagging it. You know, Wendy, it was World Cancer Day on the 4th of February. That was two two weeks ago or so. And we had a whole show on the theme, including conversations around treatment developments and a chat with a breast cancer survivor. And I'm thinking of what she said to me. She didn't she didn't require her septum. She didn't have that particular kind of, right. of breast cancer. But she did say that the one thing that really played such a positive role in her recovery was that she had access to the treatment that she needed no questions asked. Everything was covered by her medical aid uh, plus gap cover in her case and she said it was one thing she didn't have to worry about on top of all the other anxiety that comes with that diagnosis and she said that was really a huge, huge emotional and mental burden taken off her shoulders. And obviously it's for qualifying women. You have to it's you not know, for everybody. present yes. with, you have with to be the, the ideal candidate um, for the for the money to be spent. And considering what it was, 4,600 rand per treatment for this. It's come down center, it's, by a huge it's factor. It's huge. It's yeah. Recent, yeah, the last two, three years have been massive um, with regard to affordability. So it's making the... the Western Cape government stance a look at increasingly um, difficult to defend. Yes, well said. (laughs) I'll be interested to hear the further defence thereof though and uh, again if we do get that additional feedback that we are looking for on this topic we'll certainly give you an update uh, next week if possible. Thanks Wendy for flagging uh, a very important story that might otherwise have crept a little under the radar. Uh, well, from the sublime to the ridiculous, because uh, these are life-changing um, yes, matters, potentially. Yes, that did occur to me when I was preparing this. The absence of Marmite from the shelves is not, uh, although it is dire for many people. Um, you've been looking into that list of products okay. that people gave us last yes. week that have disappeared from the shelves. What have you found? And I must just say, preface this by saying this is why I love my job, because consumerism is so fast and yeah. varied. It's never, I've been doing it for so long, but it's it's always intriguing, and you can go from something super serious to something seemingly trivial, trivial but which does actually play a large part in people's everyday lives. Before you go there, can I just share a message that's just come in that, sure. that gives, I mean, I said that the price has come down by a massive factor. Here's the demonstration. A WhatsApp saying, my daughter battled to get her septum from FedHealth 10 years ago. At that time, it was 40,000 rand that. a dose. 
So it's, yeah. it's nearly... T- so it's come ten- down to a tenth of what uh-huh. it used to be and still Thank falling you for possibly. That. Yeah. Thank you for that because that exactly encapsulates what's going on yeah. here. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So Thank you. All right, back to the Marmite. Or should we start with the prep cream? Wendy? We can start with the prep cream. Um, you wouldn't believe how much time I spent on these items and I still didn't get to two of them. Um, so Shonid Birkus, who's the group comms manager at Aspen Pharmacare, said Aspen is still selling this product that we... But but we have discontinued production of the pressurized cans. I think the query was around that little iconic tub, though. She yep. said consumers can purchase prep shaving cream in either 100 gram or 250 gram jars. We are currently experiencing shortages of the 100 gram jar, and as such, some consumers may find it to be temporarily out of stock. There is, however, no shortage of the 200 gram jars. Consumers are invited to call Aspen's hotline. If anyone's got a pen and they're interested, 0800-122-912, should they need any assistance, 0800-122-912. I was looking online and and certainly in store, my local supermarkets, I couldn't find it in any size. Um, So I went online and I saw Discam had it listed at only a few of their um, uh, branches countrywide. Um, it was listed at Kenilworth Centre, Diskem. So I phoned and confirmed, held, 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 you know what it's mm-hmm. like. And I'm happy to confirm that, yes, the, the, they said we have got them here. Yes, the shaving cream, yes, definitely. So there you okay. go for now. Um, the Marmot is a is an intriguing one. Um, a listener did um, allude to the fact that she'd been told or she'd heard that it was something to do with they couldn't get the right brewer's yeast. And sure enough, that is a problem, but it's not the only problem. Poor old Mar- Marmite for those. Guess what I had on before I came, got in the car. You had Marmite toast, didn't I didn't, you? actually. Fish I had fish paste <laughs> on toast. But I just thought it's my last jar and it's I'm going to be completely bereft when that's done. But anyway, so here we go. Deborah Ann Sherwood, communications lead for PepsiCo, um, which Pioneer forms part of and Marmite is a Pioneer brand. The last two years have been tough at our Marmite factory, she said, because we were unable to procure any supply of spent yeast, which is a key ingredient um, due to the various lockdown periods. Our two key suppliers of yeast in South Africa are AB InBev and Heineken Breweries. And obviously they weren't allowed to operate for those periods. As yeast, this is interesting, is a live product, we are unable to stockpile it. And hence the production unit, that hadn't occurred to me before either. Hence the production unit had to stop functioning during each of those times. So there was no Marmite actually being produced. At all, because there was no... So, Spare so in the cupboard to be able to call who, on. That makes sense. Exactly. Who would have thought that you know Marmite is actually the the supply um, well, of the of the main ingredient is actually very volatile. In addition to the yeast challenge, we experienced a national shortage of one of the other raw materials. She didn't say which, which is key to produce these products. These challenges have further impacted our recovery timing. And that's not all. The intermittent water supply features with the city of Joburg, where they cut supply to the area within our factory operates also played a role just so all in all despite the end of the alcohol ban procuring a consistent yeast supply at the right quality in other words it must contain a high amount of solids remains challenging we are working with our global procurement team to unlock new sources of supply and are optimistic we will find a sustainable solution in the medium term so short term Unfortunately, supplies remain constrained. So if you find, find Marmite, maybe I shouldn't be encouraging stockpiling. but um, Buy a couple of jars. Buy 
But more, leave some for everybody else. Yeah, don't buy okay. more than, don't buy I more don't know, them. three. Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Wendy, the other one was a little bit strange. There was a question around Cartwright's curry powder. Yes. And they, they sort of seem to have just disappeared. They have. Um, so I went onto their Facebook page, and the last thing posted there was in March of last year, which read, if you enjoy a good curry, we want to hear from you. Share your thoughts in a quick survey, and you could win one of three 500 Rand grocery shopping vouchers. Survey ends on the 15th of March, 2021, and that was where it ended. Under that and its previous process were just scores and scores of people saying, I've been using your curry powder for 20, 30, 35 years. I can't make my curry without it. None of the other brands give mm. the same taste. What's happened? What's happened? What's happened? Similar to the listener we had heard from last week. And um, there's just no response. No further posts. No responses to those questions. So I phoned... Um, Libstar Manufacturing Solutions, which sounds like something that should be in the motoring industry or something, but they had owned the Cartwright brand, um, and they said, sorry, it was discontinued last year. That's all they could That's tell it. me. So that is the end of gone, Cartwright. Gone, I can't say gone, I ever good. used it, but… Um, I think I used to very a long, long time ago, but I, hadn't, I haven't seen it in a uh, long time. Apparently, so. the Cartwright people say Raja doesn't cut oh. it. It's a different taste, and they don't like it, so… Um, you can imagine okay. if you've made curry a certain way with a certain main ingredient yeah. all these years, that is quite... Having said that, we are so spoiled for choice in Cape Town with the amazing well, fresh fr- curry spice mixes where I'm available. From. That, um, Make a plan. Yeah, uh, <laughs> be creative and try some other alternatives. <laughs> yeah. There are wonderful options out there um, from a lot of the smaller well, suppliers just have I these wonderful... I mean, I know my local, yeah, my local spa has got a particular range, which I only ever see in that particular outlet, and it is a locally produced... Yo, know, spice mix range. I think it's called Cuisine. I've never seen it anywhere else. And it's wonderful. So, so well, experiment a Here's the thing. Yeah. If I was in that business, I would, um, and I was familiar, or I, somebody still had some stock of Cartwrights, I would come up with something that my nose and my experience tells me is as spice close to. is as mm. close, and then market it like that. Anyway, just a thought. Unfortunately, um, I haven't yet been able to find out what became of all gold. Well, that's the person just, the listener just said melon and ginger jam. I assume they mean all gold. Um, and because that's the mass produced one was, and I couldn't sort of find it in store online. So it tells me that, again, lack of demand, yeah. that there's they've either, you know, or, or either discontinued or there's some uh, raw ingredient problem. J&J Dental Floss, I'm hoping to hear from my contact during the course of the show. But for now, I don't know. But again, I was having trouble finding that um, okay. online. Yeah. Thanks for the update. Uh, before we move on to the Crocs, and I've already got people talking about the Crocs, but Wendy, two interesting comments here on Herceptin. Uh, one is an email from Leslie who writes just with an update on uh, pricing in the private sector. She says, I received a Herceptin injection in two th- 2020 as part of my breast cancer treatment regime. Had to have one every three weeks over a period of a year. And the cost then was 9,150 rand per injection, 18 of them needed. So a total cost uh, of 165,000 rand. 
and and uh, that was in the private sector and it was um, covered. Uh, she said she was on discovery, paid up to 200,000 rand, uh, which is the annual oncology limit or was at the time. Um, uh, so there was quite substantial uh, cover. But beyond that, you then had a co-payment of 20% and they paid 80% of, of anything above that amount. Leslie, that's helpful. So 9,000 rand per injection in um, the private double. sector. And that was, yes, that was some time ago. And what's yeah. changed is Salome said that um, the treatment is now, um, I think the number of treatments have halved. Um, the nine number of is, doses needed. Yes. So okay. um, I've got the number in front of me, but it's, uh, I don't want to say the wrong thing. Nine is, what? Did, how many did, did our listener have? 18. Yes, I um, think it's nine now. Okay, they so were able to yes. Yeah. So that obviously also brings the price down. So the efficacy yes window has shifted. Okay, so that brings the price down to what was it four and a half thousand rand a dose in the public yes. sector four, six. at the moment. Mm-hmm. Leslie, thanks. That's very helpful feedback. Um, uh, on the SMS line, um, it is Martin. Just outraged listening to the fact that it is not available in the public sector when it is in other provinces. Wants to know where can I complain about them not ordering and using this cancer drug? I oh, am right furious. Pre- Premier's office, right? You know, I mean, we we have a voice as consumers. I think um, that was part of the reason why I wanted to air it. Because yeah. um, I think a lot of people, unless you, you're affected by it, you you, you wouldn't be aware. So one thing to do is write to the Premier's office or the health department and then the Cancer Alliance with that Close the Care Gap uh, campaign yes, also a helpful place to go. Just Google it, you'll find. And it's place be- to go. The, the whole fight for this drug is um, very meticulously documented and easy to follow. And I went through the whole thing um, just to look at the timeline it is fascinating so they've done a very good job of documenting this okay thanks uh, Wendy thank you very much again for bringing it to our attention okay we've talked about the prep cream the marmite and the curry powder to the person asking still about fish paste I'm afraid yes it is definitely gone for good that yes, is the last supply yeah. what was the date it was some date in December um, of last year the last uh, little jars of red row and um, uh, pex and Juret. Uh, were produced um, and once they're gone they're gone on the west coast and there's well as we know there was uh, Pioneer was talking about someone buying the license to it um, but there's been no word on that so Yes, people like me are just savouring the last little jar and then it's over. I'm going to have to take a photo of my last <laughs> Your last bite of toast. <laughs> okay. Now, the next story is the, the tale of the shoes that shrunk. And yes. I have to tell you before we hear your uh, complainant story, Wendy, that she's not alone. I've already had two messages in. Okay. Uh, anonymous saying Crocs absolutely do shrink from heat, either the sun or being washed in hot water. Or someone wrote to me being kept in a hot boot and oh, we've got goodness. very hot boots and in South Africa we do Uh, once that has happened wash them in very hot water and before they dry wear them with a pair of thick socks to stretch them out again and try not to scald your feet in the process okay that's a useful tip thank you somebody else saying I had a pair of black crocs that I left in the very hot sun to dry and couldn't get into them the next day (laughs) it's a very strange experience and I've had it okay (laughs) so let's get to the story Wendy um, tell us what happened so Diana Burnham emailed me to say that one of her croc slops bought from the V&A water Water shop, waterfront store about a year ago had shrunk by two sizes. The photo okay. is quite interesting, and she'd been na- been denied recourse by both the store and Croc South Africa. When she escalated it, she said, "I find it unbelievable that Croc sandals intended for outdoor use can shrink." Um, and then to have that response, which was, "Sorry, but the CPA guarantee is only six months. You don't have proof of purchase, and we can't. So we can't exchange or refund the item as it is, quote, wear and tear and not a defective." 
Where, strangest form of wear and tear I've ever come across. Oh, you wear yes. one sh- one slop two sizes smaller. <laughs> Interestingly, okay. there was no reference in that response. It was a WhatsApp or a text yeah. sent to her, and um, Diana sent me a little screen grab of her phone of it on her phone. There was no reference of you should not keep Crocs in the sun. Okay. Okay. Diana says, I wear them in the garden, and when I go to the beach, I've worn the style of Crocs for nearly 15 years, and I have never had a problem. The response, as I've just said, never mentioned the fact that Crocs shrink when left in the sun. If this is the case, how do you sell outdoor shoes that shouldn't go in the sun? I've not left my shoes in the sun, and even if I had, how does one shrink one and not the other? At least, and this is the reason I'm raising this as my main interest here, um, at least have a sign in the store or on the website warning that they shrink and then I for one would not have bought them. Or would have bought them and kept them in a cool place. Exactly. Yeah, but hard the to keep them in a cool. You kind of like, a, every time you're out in the sun and, and it's intense sun at the moment, you're thinking, are these things now slowly shrinking on my feet? Or how does it take, what are the parameters? Yeah. As I say, no guidance. No, that's fine if you have for an hour or two, but you know, any longer than that, you're asking for trouble. Hot boots, don't leave them for more than whatever. You know, in the absence of any guidance, the whole the whole consumer protection world is around disclosure and transparency. Yeah. And so, and apparently, this isn't the only brand. I mean, I, I tweeted a pic of what happened to my little shoes that I'm going to get to, and uh, I got the boot response, and then a lot of other people saying it's not just this brand; it's all shoes made. I think it's probably you three or some kind of yes. Okay. Okay. So. I reported on this issue for the first time in September 2017 in my Times Live column, and my headline was, Don't Leave These Crocs Basking in the Sun. <laughs> and that was after a local man's uh, slip slops shrank and curled into a sort of banana shape <laughs> after he'd left them in the sun. Wow. At the time, then MD of the company, which dis- dis- distributes Crocs in this country, said the company had had a handful, as he put it, of complaints relating to some of our flips. They call them flips, American flips, and clogs shrinking after being in water and then being left in the direct sunlight at extreme temperature for extended periods of time. Um, We always honor a full claim in these cases, and so I have no hesitation in doing so. In this case of the the chap that I raised, this case I raised, and then he added, all Croc salespeople will be told to warn consumers of potential shrinkage risk, he said. Um, and I made the point at the time that that warning should be in writing on the product packaging, in the store, on the website, yeah. etc. Well, that clearly didn't happen. So last week, when raising Diana's case with Croc South Africa, I made the point that while its website states, damage arising from negligence, user abuse and or incorrect usage of the product is not regarded as a defect. I couldn't find any reference um, on the site as to what incorrect usage or abuse constitutes. Mm. I said, if there is a warning about leaving crocs in the sun resulting in dramatic shrinkage, I can't find it, which means it is hidden. Conversely, the crocs US website does appear to carry a warning that extreme heat will cause crocs to shrink. Okay, that's interesting. So the mothership is quite yes. forthright about saying yes. this is something you need to be aware of. It just hasn't washed down uh, into the South African outlets, clearly. And as you say, Wendy, I know you to be uh, an ardent croc wearer. Yes, um, So am. you have actually had this happen to you I before. have. I've been, yeah, I've worn them for more than 20 years. First, my sister lives in Colorado and they, I think they that's their main manufacturing base there. And before they came here, I mean, can you believe it? When the postal service still worked, I remember her posting four pairs, my husband and the two tiny kids. What other shoes can you post? I mean, they're so light. <laughs> uh, anyway, and then buying them, you know, locally, um, all sorts of of different ones. Um, and I've never seen, as I say, uh, any warning, warning anywhere. And and would you believe it? I bought a pair of green Chelsea boots 
um, ankle ones about 18 months ago for use in the garden and I was away for a week recently remember the plate week yes and I just when I got back I'd forgotten I mean 2017 I'd forgotten all about the shrinking crocs and I'd left them sort of in an area that only got sun for part of the day oh, wow. um, so not directly like around the pool or something like that they were and uh, anyway, obviously it was enough and I just couldn't get my feet into them. It took me a while to click what had actually happened. That's it's just stopped for your brain to stop things, something that happens um, often. <laughs> anyway, so that very day that I made that discovery, I got Diana's email. Um, anyway, so I took all of this up to uh, up with Earth Crocs South Africa and I said, what is your policy now on shrunken crocs? Um, I was told three, four years ago, gosh, nearly five, that um, it was your policy to replace them. And besides that, where's the warnings? I was told uh, that were going, you know, going to happen. Um, so I got a response from marketing manager Samantha Wade, who said all shoes which have obtained damage from the sun will be replaced. That's our policy. In Diana's instance, she dealt with a new employee who communicated the incorrect information. We've since addressed this, um, and uh, we uh, well, essentially they have re- they will be replacing uh, Diana stops this week and getting them couriered to her. To clarify, when a pair of Crocs are damaged for, from the sun, said Samantha. Um, Crocs promised to replace the product. This is our policy. We will honor it. Um, our customers are our top priority. Um, we will be relooking our communication to customers to provide tips on how to take special care of their favorite pair of Crocs. Okay, so don't leave them in the sun. Don't leave them in the hot boot. Don't leave them outside in the garden. And if it still happens accidentally, then the word of advice from our listener who's been there is that you wash them again in very hot water. And before they are dry, stick on a thick pair of socks and put your feet into them to stretch them back out again. Maybe um, I should have done that because those Chelsea boots are now discontinued oh, and I really so you, did like them. Yeah. But anyway, the courier came and collected them today and I'm getting credit um, for what I don't know. But yes, so that's the story. You don't actually have to do that unless you really love the pair. And you, that you have and you scared yeah, you it's a bit of place. Yes, so yeah. you could try that. But otherwise, um, put Crocs to the test, go to your nearest store, whatever, log it. And um, and they will replace. And they will replace. I mean, it's a very specific thing that happens. You know, you can't make it up. It's, it's, it's be not just that, yeah. that it's small, too small, but it goes into, and mine look like little goblin boots. Well, Jane's just messaged. She says, we were camping in the Cedarburg in January. It was cooking hot, and I left my brand new black slip slops in the sun. They curled and shrank. <laughs> Sadly, they weren't both lying the same way. Way. So now the left slop curls up and is tight, <laughs> and the right slop curls down and slips off my foot. Oh dear, Sorry oh dear. To laugh Sorry, Jane. Consumer Talk. Open line. Call 021 Wendy, someone's WhatsApp to say, I have the pick and pay Crocs lookalike. They live outside all day, every day, about 15 <laughs> years old and still absolutely fine. And I paid about 30 rand for them. <laughs> Thanks for that. There's there one solution. Go, okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Okay, we're happy to take some open line calls. If you have got a, a consumer issue you'd like to raise with us, you can call us on 021-446-0567 or pop a WhatsApp through to 072-567-1567. We had an interesting email in where... Wendy, uh, Lynn heard us, I think, talking about the, the third-party supplier issue a couple of weeks ago, how when you're ordering off the big sites yeah. like Take A Lot, etc., you need to be checking whether you're buying direct from them or from a third-party supplier. And she's had issues with this because she said she purchased a Samsung stove in August last year, which malfunctioned the first time it had load shedding. Um, the clock 
basically can't be reset. And as a result, the oven is literally not working. And she said, I've had technicians come in to inspect it twice in both December and January. Both said they can't fix it because it is a factory fault. It is now February, still no oven. Take a lot are not interested. They're telling me I need to be dealing with Samsung. And here I sit fighting with the call center folks day after day. Is it Take a Lot's job to sort it out or Samsung? She bought it from Take a Lot. Yeah, so I did. We did raise this issue. Mm. I'm not sure um, whether Samsung is on Take a Lot sort of um, what do they call it? Direct marketer. In other words, they take responsibility for CPA. This is all any um, first six months situation, yeah. which is the CPA warranty. They they will take responsibility for most, but certain suppliers. Um, insist that the take a lot of customers go directly to them. And Espresso is one, I think it was um, maybe Dell, it was a laptop story that we okay. covered. Um, and Samsung could well be on that list. I just can't call it up quickly enough now, just on air, um, where they you have to go straight to the supplier. So the and I checked with Masspot. I said, "Is this yes. something on certain brands?" I said, "No, absolutely not. They they take responsibility for um, all within the first six months any um, CPA warranty issues. They take responsibility for um, and they deal with the supplier on the customer's behalf." So this is when I, it's interesting to know this, the um, policies before you pay because mm. well, part of your purchase price is in the covers after sales issues, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Anyway, I ran that case past um, Consumer Goods and Services Ombud, um, and she said it is best practice for the supplier, for the retailer, the the person to to whom you paid your money to sort it out. Um, But um, the Act talks about the supply chain being jointly and severally liable. I remember the phrasing. Responsible, exactly. So. I mean, as long as you get some result and that, you know, if you have a product that's defective within six months of purchase, it's fine. But I certainly um, wouldn't choose to buy a product from a retailer that wasn't going to take responsibility for a CPA defect. So what did she do? I mean, so, so she bought it in August. It's it's now beyond the six months, but it was within the six months at yes. the time it, it malfunctioned. Yes, so that's what counts. Yeah. And when she says she's talking, she's spending her days, you know, at call centers, which call center is she talking about? Samsung or? I think Samsung. From, yeah. If I'm understanding the email correctly. You see, yeah. and sometimes, let's just put it this way, the suppliers don't have the same ethic when it comes to dealing with customers as, as the, retailers. the retailers do. And so that can become the issue. I mean, for and for someone like me to get involved, I mean, I deal with the retailers. They know me and I, I, I know the people without having to look up an email address, mm. I send it through and say, fix, please. I mean, now to start with Samsung, uh, yeah, I think I do have, I think I do, uh, with some um, effort, I I acquired a a contact there. So what I can suggest, the only thing I can suggest is um, that our listener emails me and I have a stab at it. And then I can ask these questions again around this issue. All right, Lynn. So um, I've got your mail and uh, I'll chat to Wendy after the show about um, how we take it forward. Thank you for that. Um, Okay, a few minutes in hand. Um, I I don't know if you've had a chance to research this one, Wendy, because I know George only mailed us yesterday, I think, and uh, you have already communicated with him, but I don't know if you've got the the input you needed. George wrote to us yesterday um, questioning the issue of VAT 
disclosure, uh, VAT inclusive pricing. Yes. He wrote to say, I had a bad experience with Builders. Uh, I assume that's Builders Warehouse. Spent hours Googling the product I needed to buy. Uh, found their op- their option to be the cheapest and so bought from them. He had some frustrations. He said, first I had to register, then the site went down for maintenance. Eventually we got there only to find that all the prices on the site were ex-VAT and I had to pay almost a thousand rand more than I had anticipated. (laughs) Given the schlep I'd already been through and the urgency of the situation, I just paid. But his question is, aren't all prices supposed to be disclosed inclusive of of VAT? Yes, okay, interesting one, this, and I haven't shared with you off air (laughs) what happened in this case, Pippa. First of all, it's a very important warning, George, because um, a lot of online retailers and I mean there are many more of them now than there used to be, um, know that people compare prices and so they'll put that exclusive price. And only when you get finally to the last stage of your basket and going to pay does the full amount appear. By which stage you're so flipping committed to this thing that you mostly just... Click and accept, yeah. 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 So I thought that this might happen, but I also thought a a couple like MassMart would be unlikely for Mm. them to do that. Um, so let me just get to that. First of all, Section 60, what can they and can't they do? Section 65 of the VAT Act requires that all prices advertised or quoted um, in respect of goods must include a VAT or that the advertise, the advert or quote must reflect the VAT cost, the VAT exclusive price and the VAT inclusive price. So where an advert reflects the VAT inclusive and VAT ex- exclusive price, both must be displayed with equal prominence Ooh, and impact. Okay. okay. So... Obviously, the right thing to do is to um, to display only the VAT inclusive price because that's what we pay, right? You yeah. can display the rest on your invoice or whatever. Um, it, it, the section 65 provides that the price tags displayed on goods in store do not need to contain a VAT inclusive statement provided that this fact is prominently displayed at the entrance. Okay. So I did some, some. I asked George to give me some examples or some proof of what he experienced because when I checked, what he paid was the pr- the prices that were advertised on the site, and he said, "I'm so sorry, my bad. I'm blind and I must have got confused with the screen reader. It happens. Sorry for the inconvenience." Okay, so, so in he builders, actually misread. In, in the clear, they do they all their prices are VAT inclusive, but I'm happy for the opportunity to issue a warning around this and say when you're comparing prices online. Be aware aware that that sometimes many of them, uh, to get a competitive advantage, um, will display the um, exclusive prices. Just something to be aware of when you go shopping. Okay. George, thanks for raising, uh, as Wendy says, an important issue. And uh, thank you, Wendy, for for helping to get to the bottom of it so quickly. We have to wrap there. And I just wanted to finish with a heads up that next week, Consumer Talk is going to be an hour earlier than usual because we're going to be taking the budget speech live from 2 o'clock onward on the show. So, Wendy, we'll be talking to you at 1 o'clock next week, uh, the 23rd of February. No problem. And um, everybody else, I hope you'll tune in then. If you have got consumer issues to send our way, remember that Wendy's email is consumer at nola.co.za spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R 1 to 2 p.m. just for next week. It'll revert back to the usual time uh, the week after the budget speech. Chat to you then, Wendy. Will do.